0: hello everybody welcome to the crypto hipsters podcast where i interview founders and co-founders entrepreneurs and artists executives and stay-at-home hipsters in crypto and blockchain around the world and i have an amazing podcast for you today Let's get to it. And today we're going to talk about sustainability. And my guest, his name is David Savage. He is an assistant vice president at Geotab. Welcome to the show today, David.
1: Hi, Jamil. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, you're welcome. I'm looking forward to this. Um, So um, let's kick things off and ask you first, uh, what is your background? And is it a logical background for what you do now?
1: good question uh yeah sure so my background is in marketing that was what my uh my degree was in many many years ago uh but i'd say you know throughout the early stages of my career uh, the roles and certainly the projects i was involved in had a really good blend of people commercial operational and product components and i'd say these have served me very well particularly over the last 10 years where i've been establishing and running departments and then particularly latterly over the last five years or so where I've actually been leading uh, businesses mainly in the UK, but also in the Irish market as well.
0: Great. Um, So Geotab is a fleet management company. Um, And uh, you guys have an interesting sustainability story. Uh, What is the story and what lessons um, can those who are focused on sustainability, sustainability learn from you?
1: Sure, it is a really interesting story. So it goes all the way back to our founder who established the business back in the year 2000. So he moved from South Africa over to Canada um, with a view of using his engineering technological background to actually look at improving road safety and also the sustainability of fleets. And this was before sustainability was the word we know it as now. You know, he's really looking at kind of optimization, fuel usage, driver behavior, things that were particularly new in the telematics space at that time when you know telematics was very much viewed as almost a GPS or a dot on the map. So over those last 20, 21 years, um, we've really evolved our offering. And obviously the bread and butter of what we do is helping those commercial fleets uh, optimize their, their vehicle usage to you know reduce the emissions, uh, look at our reductions in fuel usage, uh, and latterly support on that transition to electric vehicles. But uh, what I particularly love about Geotab is that sustainability has a much broader offering than just a focus on our fleets and vehicles. You know, we look at it as a an umbrella that also covers, you know, the human, social, uh, the economic, and also the environmental aspects of the business. So, you know, we invest heavily in our team and their development. You know, we support on courses. Um, and then on the you know the kind of economic environmental aspects, we're making sure we're invest in the countries that we're we're launching in. You know, we really establish local country teams and entities, uh, which I firmly believe is very important to be able to service those markets. Uh, so it's a very very broad offering um, in terms of lessons learned. I think it's you know important to recognise that sustainability is not just about environmentalism; it's much broader than that. Uh, to look at every facet of the business. Avoid greenwashing. I think that's really important. You know, people can see when companies are kind of making false promises or uh, false actions. And really focus on doing the right things, uh, even though they may take time to put in place or even to get right. You know, I think this very much needs to be viewed as a a marathon and not a sprint on this uh, journey to improve sustainability.
0: So I'm going to ask a couple of basic questions so that my audience has a a definitional understanding. First of all, what is telematics?
1: Well, so telematics is essentially the extraction of data from a vehicle. Now, that data can cover a multitude of different points. So you could be looking at the tire pressure of a vehicle, for example, uh, to see how that's going to impact on the efficiency of it. You could be looking at fuel usage, um, whether a seatbelt is plugged in or not. you know in a trucking space making sure that a driver is not doing too many hours so it's really pulling lots of different dip data points from the vehicle and the driver's inputs to help a fleet manager really look at the performance of the vehicles under their management and make key decisions to help uh, improve the running of those fleets
0: got it and then what is greenwashing
1: so greenwashing would be you know, an example, I think we all hear about, you know, companies planting trees um, and using that as almost their overarching environmental initiative. There's absolutely a place for that kind of thing, but there has to be more substance behind uh, sustainability plans in our view than just uh, kind of a smaller, almost kind of token gestures kind of chasing a bit of PR, which uh, we don't see a lot of value in.
0: Got it, okay, Understand. So um So let's start with, you know, we're living in a data-driven world. We're living in a world of telematics. Um how has data and telematics played a crucial role in both fleet management and electrical vehicle usage and adoption?
1: Sure. so let's start with the first part of that question then, Jamil. So if we talk about you know the the kind of the core of what telematics can offer, you know I touched upon it earlier, you know twenty odd years ago, uh, telematics was just about tracking a vehicle. So where was it going and looking at specific data points over the course of a day or a week or, you know, whatever the time period might be. It's evolved greatly since then as the ability to extract what I would call richer data or deeper data uh, from vehicles has become possible. So typically telematics data can really help inform the strategies for fleets. And I'll talk about fleets because that's the sector we operate in in terms of productivity. optimization compliance which is a really important one particularly in the kind of the government space and then also more laterally sustainability so you know it's possible to see data related to you know vehicle tracking driver behavior engine data reporting as well as the health of the engine to name but a few. i don't want to go into too much detail about it but some of these data points that can be looked at you know such such as the ones i've referenced there can at a practical level mean that a fleet manager has all of the information they could possibly need to optimise the efficiency of their their vehicles. That's the kind of day to day of what a, a fleet telematics uh, platform can bring. And then if we look at electric vehicle transition, which is absolutely very topical and is probably about seventy percent of all the conversations we're having at the moment, data becomes integral to the successful transition of vehicles from internal combustion so petrol and diesel across to electric vehicles and why is data so important well it's important because a first step on fleet electrification which let's call go electric you need to be able to understand at a basic level and at a deeper level depending on the level of the complexity you want to look at how an existing fleet of vehicles are being used so what routes are they doing how long are they on the road typically Um, How are they being used? What's the topography, the landscape that these vehicles are driving over? And then through a a telematics platform like ours, uh, and we have a a tool called the electric vehicle suitability assessment. We're able to look at all of that data um, from the, the petrol or diesel vehicles within a fleet, whether it's cars or vans, for example. Plug that in and we'll gather that data for anywhere between one month to 12 months. Three months is the sweet spot, but one month would do. And then we'll output a recommendation based on the vehicles available in the market that could be a suitable alternative for that petrol or diesel vehicle that may be in the fleet. So essentially looking at the phased transition of electric vehicles into a petrol or diesel fleet. Uh, And and I think what's really interesting at the moment, and certainly the, the fleets and partners we're operating with, is not all fleets can transition all of their vehicles right now. Has to be a very phased approach and the reason that is is because even though there's 200 250 electric vehicle makes and models on the road just now there's still you know ways to go in terms of matching up with what has historically been petrol and diesel vehicles you know payload uh, ranges uh, you know it's, it's a bit of a new world it's slightly more complex in many ways than um, petrol and diesel vehicles that many fleet managers would have been used to and then when it comes to the, the operate electric side of it, while many of the data points would be the same, there's also things to consider such as battery state of charge and, uh, uh, you know, the range of the vehicle and the impact of temperature and, you know, different parameters now that we're, we're on that road.
0: Great. So you mentioned your sustainability tool, and I want to talk about the approach a little bit um back in i guess late 90s early 2000s a lot of focus was on uh the, the lean six sigma mindset and now you're looking at you know tools and data how is the difference uh, how is it different today how does your assessment tool work what's is there is there a comparison how does it work
1: so you know as i reference we we have you know, in a very simple terms, we have a little black box that we'll plug into a vehicle, and that's how we extract all of the data. Um, and then the electric vehicle suitability assessment platform allows for the end user to customize it based on the parameters that they know about their business. Um, and that's that's where the richness of the insight comes from, uh, because it's not just a generic output. It's very tailored to that end customer's needs. So as i've mentioned we'll pull all of the data from that petrol or diesel vehicle we'll look at how it's used the range the driver inputs the the payload uh the temperature um and temperature is an important one when you transition to ev and then make a recommendation of how many vehicles within a fleet could be transitioned out and you know what manufacturers have suitable vehicles Um, it's very agnostic in terms of we don't We don't just look at one manufacturer, you know, we're it's very open and we have absolutely no allegiance to to any one manufacturer. It's very, uh, very impartial, which I think is very important.
0: Got it. So, um, great. Uh, So how can we take the lessons you learn from the fleet management and apply them as as individuals, like as you and me as drivers to make the transition from, you know, from gas powered cars? Um, to electric vehicles um, as individuals. So how would how would that work?
1: Yeah, so I'd say there's probably two components that we can all look at on a kind of a day-to-day basis outside of you know the, the typical larger fleets or business approach and that would be data and education. So when I'm talking about data, you know let's say Jamil, you're looking to transition your vehicle, for example, I don't know if you have or not, but let's say you're on that journey. Um it's important to do a lot of research, you know, because, you know, you may have had a specific vehicle from a manufacturer. It doesn't mean that the electric equivalent of that vehicle under the same name is going to be able to do exactly what you need it to do. So, you know, let's say for example, I don't know, you've got a family and you're carrying the kids around and you'd like to put the bikes on the back of the weekend. And, uh, you know, you need to look at how that might impact the range and look at different data sources for that. Uh, you know, the, The OEMs or the manufacturers will absolutely give you data points, but just doing quick internet searches, you know, you can find forums and uh, other websites that will give you more information to draw upon. Obviously, you don't want to be paralyzed by the data, but it's good just to sense check some of the data points and, um, you know, to give you the confidence that you're transitioning to the vehicle that is going to be able to do what you need it to do in your, you know, your social life. Uh, And the other aspect I think is really important is education. So when I'm talking about education, it's more around the interaction with the vehicle. So an electric vehicle can look very similar to a petrol or diesel vehicle, but actually, you know, there's fewer moving parts. There's only 20 moving parts in an electric vehicle engine, let's say, uh, versus over 2000 in an internal combustion engine vehicle. So while there's less to go wrong, there's also things that you need to consider. So tire pressure is an important one. So you need to make sure you know you're kind of on top of that. And then just general kind of driver behaviour. So harsh braking, harsh acceleration are all kind of no-nos when it comes to to electric uh, vehicles. Some electric vehicles you won't even have to brake all the time because you you need to regenerate the power. Um, and then looking at charging infrastructure and, you know, which charging provider is going to be the best one for you. What's got the best rating? What incentives are out there to support on that? So a real kind of holistic educational piece. And unfortunately, that's almost self-learning. You know, there's, I haven't seen a very comprehensive pamphlet that can help deliver all of that information in one.
0: Well, you got me right as far as the SUV and me and the dad driving the kids around. Um, <laughs> I've had a Volvo different Volvo since 2007 and I know they announced they're going to be going electric starting in 2025. Um, and I'm, it's a concern. I don't know, like I never drove never been in an urban electric vehicle before. What would you say to people who are looking to explore this area? Like what kind of wisdom would you offer them that would make them a little, you know, more confident in their, in their research?
1: Yeah, you know, something that was quite topical even up until last year was range anxiety. So if I get this vehicle, am I going to be able to do, you know, my typical journeys? Is there a chance that I'm going to be breaking down when I'm taking the kids to school because I don't have enough power on the battery? I'd say that, <clears throat> excuse me, much less of a concern now. The range is very good on most vehicles, um, but the driver experience is different. So I think it's really important to get out there and test a few different vehicle makes and models. Uh, to see which one is going to be right for your needs. Um have a look at the the benefits that are attached to it, not just the government incentives of which you know Ireland has some really, really strong incentives. Um, and then also look at the you know the charging side of it. You know, where are you actually going to charge that vehicle? Are you going to be able to do it from home? You know, if you're in a a, a terraced house on a busy street, it's probably going to be quite challenging if you're in a suburban landscape with your own driveway probably going to be you know a little bit easier so kind of factor those ones in but as i've said you know it's data education and also try some of those vehicles um because the experience can be a little bit different
0: great thank you thank you i'm going to try them (laughs) so (laughs) um so I i want to shift gears a little bit and ask you um what is what is degradation data specifically And how does it tie into uh, potential, you know, decisions at, you know, say, a societal level?
1: Sure. So when we're talking about degradation, it's in relation to the battery that powers the the vehicle. That's ultimately what we're talking about. Um, Essentially, it's it's a very natural process that permanently reduces the amount of energy that a battery can store or the amount of power it can deliver. In real world terms, we're talking about potentially the impact on range over time. You know, if we're we're trying to really boil it down into kind of basic terms. Now there's a number of factors that can really impact the health of the battery. So obviously age. You know, we see it with our, our mobile phones. You know, the older the phone is, the battery isn't quite as strong as it used to be. The other thing is high temperatures. Um, and then also as we see with our phones as well, charging it from zero to hundred all the time can impact on the life of the, the battery, um, and also the power of the charge currents. Um, so, you know, we hear about superchargers when it comes to electric vehicles, and they're great for almost that steroid boost of power, but you probably want, wouldn't want to use them all of the time. I think the one piece of reassurance there is when you know you're looking to transition to an electric vehicle is that most manufacturers offer a pretty good guarantee when it comes to the battery. So, you know, we're seeing on average probably about six years, 60,000 miles. So it probably covers the life of what most people would be looking for. That said, um, when we were looking at battery degradation a couple of years ago, we couldn't actually find information out there that was really given as a really good level of detail onto how long a battery would last. So we undertook our own little piece of research. Uh, We looked at 6000 electric vehicles. Um, And we gathered the equivalent of 1.8 million days worth of data. And we looked at 60 different vehicle types, uh, so different, 60 different makes and models. And I think the important conclusion or the takeaway is that on average, an electric vehicle battery will lose 2.3% of its health, let's say, uh, per year. So actually in a real world, this actually has a probably a minimal impact on range. And in fact, from our assessment, the battery will actually outlast the the shell of the vehicle. Um, So, you know, that's quite interesting. Um, But where I think this is particularly insightful and important is when it comes to the second hand market. So obviously, you know, with Geotab, we're focused on fleet vehicles. These fleet vehicles will typically run for three to five years and then make their way to the second hand market. So, you know, a large part of where we see EV adoption happening is in the second-hand market because the price of of the vehicle will be, you know, reduced pretty significantly. You know, that that loss, as soon as the car leaves its forecourt, uh, will have been taken up by the first owner. Um, So what that means is once the vehicles enter the second-hand market, there's actually still going to be a strong range available on those vehicles. Uh, And I think that will help address some of those concerns. And this is an ongoing piece of research where we're doing and continuing to to, to adjust as more and more makes and models are coming to the market. Um, this is you know a, this platform that we have on battery degradation is openly available on our website. Um, and if you compare some of the vehicles, you know some manufacturers have slightly less degradation than than others. you know it, it's very much not a level playing field when it comes to degradation.
0: So for people who are intimately familiar with the two for the different markets with the first hand and the second hand market in fleet management, what would be some of the users and examples of, of the first and the second hand?
1: So the first hand market would be, let's say, a business buying uh, 100 vehicles for, uh, you know, their sales team, for example, and they will drive across a country and, you know, typically you know, the sweet spot for that would have been a BMW 3 series in the past. And we're, what we're seeing now is a lot more take up of the Tesla Model 3. Um, so they will be used for, you know, three, four years, however long that fleet will look after those vehicles and then they'll find their way onto the consumer secondhand market. So somewhere that you and I might go, Jamil, with our families to go and buy another car, you know, they will end up in there. Um, what's good about you know, the vehicles coming from a fleet into that secondhand market is that maintenance is typically very good, very robust. Uh, the drivers um, treat the vehicles well uh, because it's typically built into their their kind of contracts. So it means that, you know, buying a secondhand vehicle that will come from a, a fleet operator means that you've got a pretty high level of reassurance that it's a good quality vehicle.
0: Got it. Thank you. So um, sticking with, uh, you know, society, and looking at, you know, the global economic footprint. uh, How can, how can effective fuel, fuel management, right? Effective fuel management play a critical role in reshaping the global um, footprint.
1: Sure, so this is actually probably one of the lowest hanging fruits uh, for both fleets and, you know, the, the man, woman, family on the street. You know, I think everyone typically gets caught up in is transition to EV and sometimes loses sight of what can be done right now with the vehicles that they have to, to reduce that, that impact on, on greenhouse emissions. So a, an interesting little stat is that 22% of emissions across the EU come from vehicles. And we know that CO2 is a, a pretty major contributor of climate change. So if you're looking at kind of fuel management, there's a few relatively simple things that we can all do to to reduce the emissions from our vehicles so one of them would be reducing vehicle idling and actually many vehicles now will have that kind of thing where your car cuts out of the traffic lights, so it's not burning um fuel um but if that's not the case you know and you're you're pulling up outside a shop you know switch the engine off you know there's uh there's good savings to be had there and and for example you know we're probably not going to experience it kind of as consumers, but vehicle idlings for up to an hour can burn around four and a half liters of fuel. So you know that, that that's a pretty significant burn uh, over the course of the day. So there's little things like that that can be done to Im- to improve that. And then the other aspect, which I think certainly I'm guilty of, so hands up on this, is reducing aggressive driving. So whether it's harsh braking, harsh acceleration, um you know maybe taking a corner a little bit too quickly, Uh, This is a real area where, you know, there's there's a strong correlation between the emissions from a vehicle um, and fuel consumption. So, you know, we've seen certainly aggressive driving leading to a 50 percent increase in emissions. And so, you know, that's one of the key areas that can be done to to drive that down. Um, So it's just being a little bit more gentle with the vehicle, uh, let's say. Uh, which can lead to pretty significant benefits, and then the other thing, which I think many of us rely on nowadays anyway, would be kind of route optimization. So, you know, planning the route in advance using uh, an app or whatever to find the 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 quickest route to to your end destination. You know, avoiding traffic where possible. And uh, you know, I think most of us have that technology in our vehicles or our smartphones now, and that can actually lead to benefits as well. So, three areas there that. Are, pretty quick wins that we can all do. And they're they're relatively low cost, um, but play their part towards uh, improving the environment, but also, you know, putting some savings into your pockets.
0: Great. I learned how to use the eco function on my uh, GPS recently. So. Um, So I want to, I want to talk about shifting a little bit to recycling, right? because uh, you, have, you, have, you guys have a recycling program at Geotab. Um, so how do you, what is, what is your role of recycling program um, and that on landfill management?
1: Sure. So a few years ago, uh, we launched what we call the, the Go Recycle Program. Um, and Go alludes to uh, the little black device, little black box device that we plug into to vehicles. It's called the Go device. Um. And this is really about facilitating the eco-friendly disposal of those devices at a global level. Um, So we've certified with, uh, they're called R2 certified, but that essentially means they're certified to be able to dispose of electronic devices, is what it comes down to. Um, Now, we're working towards this happening in the countries in which those devices are located so that we're reducing greenhouse gas emissions caused by shipping, et cetera. But at the moment, um, that service is available in Canada and the USA, and we'll be rolling it out to the UK, Ireland, Europe more broadly, Latin America, Southeast Asia, Australia, New Zealand over the coming months into 2022. We had hoped to go a little bit faster on that, but um, COVID in the last year has slowed down a few of the the relationships that we've been able to build to, to help facilitate that. So that's you know that's in a nutshell the the recycling scheme and then obviously we've got a you know a lot of other initiatives um paperless offices um you know recycling within the offices um and we're also advocating uh, a lot more home working so we're reducing you know the kind of our office presence or certainly the scale of our offices globally um and allowing the, the teams to, to work from home, which means they're commuting less and, you know, uh, reducing the kind of carbon footprint overall.
0: I was going to ask you about if you were going to roll out to Southeast Asia, because there is one particular island in the Philippines uh, where the whole entire society is based, is built and based on the landfill. So um, you, the higher you, you go in, in elevation, the the more wealth you have in being living on the landfill. So I was—I was, I wondered about the impact of improving landfill management. Have would have on somewhere like that? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, um, to be honest with you, Jamil, I don't know a huge amount about that specific case you're uh, you're talking about. But we're, we're trying to make sure that we're doing you know our 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 bit to to help the the environment and the economies uh, overall.
0: Great, thank you. Um, so. You know I'm, I'm, I'm the crypto hipster right so i have to ask you you know blockchain and crypto so i have to ask you you know if you guys are currently using the blockchain and if not what do you think would be the the value of using using open source technology you know in the capturing of this data and the building efficiencies for your for your business
1: yeah well, well you know i think I'll, I'll call out how we operate actually we're, we're very much an open platform um which i think is is quite unique in this space. And what does that mean by us being an open platform? And hopefully this will answer your question, Jamil, is um, the vision for the business is to be the platform. And by that, that means that we're open to integrating and working with everyone. Um, you know, we also subscribe to co opetitions So we've done work with some of our competitors where it makes sense um, on data sharing um and providing insights. And you know, an example of that would have been last year we did a, a COVID recovery dashboard where we shared data with Webfleet, who are one of our competitors, um, to be able to provide, you know, insights um across UK and Europe to support on the recovery of fleet of commercial fleets within those sectors. Um, so we very much believe in making data uh, and insights open open for all um, and that's that's not going to change that
0: answer your question? It does, thank you very much. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, um, I wanna thank you very much for your time today. Um, it's a very interesting conversation for me. i learned a lot. Um, I feel a little more confident in going to get that 2025 Volvo. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and so one, la- one last question for you is this, is um, how can people find out more information about Geotab, about what you guys do, How you guys work uh, because i know you do a lot of other things that than what we covered today um how can they do that how can they find out more information
1: sure so various ways you know we've got a strong linkedin presence um so absolutely if you have a look at geotab on linkedin you'll be able to see our posts and articles uh our website we've got our blogs we've got our details on the electric vehicle suitability assessment the battery degradation tools as well as everything else we do um and also you know feel free to to reach out to me David savage at geotavcom if anyone you know has any questions or would like to to continue the uh, the conversation uh, and also we we publish a lot of videos on YouTube from conferences and presentations we've done so there's a lot of access to that on there as well
0: excellent thank you very much for your time today
1: thank you very much Jamil. enjoyed it